good song. Good song. Good song service. It's good to be with y'all. It's good to be back. It's good to not be eaten by a bear. Yeah. A lot of things to be thankful for. Um, so Elliot and I are trooping along the trail, you know, with all the food and provisions and stuff to theoretically keep us alive for three days. Um, I was reminded of just how ridiculously rich we are. Um, We had about a 45-pound 40, pack with uh, all that stuff. Um, and I knew that if we'd stayed out there two or three days longer, our food would go empty. And depending on whether we could find water or not, you know, it was up to where we were at. There was about a seven-mile stretch where there was no water. And uh, we, we ran out, uh, but we only had about a mile to go. And we knew where the next stop was. And so I had a little bit more empathy for those children of Israel who'd gone three days because they weren't sitting still, right? You, you had to keep keep marching, keep moving. Um, so that's a... The panic can get, you know, real. Um, so that's, that, was, that was interesting. We also were able to establish that 10 miles is a reasonable day's journey. Even for a couple of greenhorns like he and I, we could do it in real rugged terrain. And so... Um, as far as our assumptions, I think that was a reasonable one. Um, telling them during the prayer service this morning that um, I had the opportunity to speak with the Lord a whole lot more over the past week, um, particularly in the long, cold, windy hours where the leaves are being blown about, and you're not sure if that's the wind moving the leaves or if that's a paw print or, you know, um, a paw jostling it and... Um, what I tell David when he's upset with a thunderstorm is to, you know, pray to the Lord and, and repeat that verse of what time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. Um, and so I took my own advice um, and I, I, I prayed that prayer several hundred times. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yeah, and uh, I was reminded about who made that bear and uh, um, so fortunately we didn't see any in person. We saw little bear scat on the trail, but um, gratefully that was the last day and we didn't have to go to bed again after seeing that. <laughs> so, um, one of the thoughts that's on my mind this morning comes in Psalm 37, verses 23 and 24. Psalm 37, verse 23 and 24. The steps of the good man ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. I was thinking about this falling and not being utterly cast down, and the Lord upholding him as we were going through a particularly tough stretch. Um, it was when we were out of water, and it was a pretty steep ravine to the right, um, and Elliot and I had both had several stumbles and jars, and um, but, uh, you know, if he started to sway, I knew that I could take my hand and whack his pack, and he'd fall back on the right side where the mountain was and not down in the big hole, um, and that, that was an interesting picture for me um, of how the Lord... Even though it does not is not pleasant at all to slip on a rock, and even if you fall and bust your face, falling on that rock on that path, as bad as it hurts, is nothing like falling down into the the ravine of which there's no escape. Right? And sometimes I, I've gotten upset with the Lord that He allowed me to bust my face um, when it jolly well could have been Him whacking my pack so that I would fall on the right side instead of down in the ditch. Um, but he's upholding us. And, and so that was just a, that was an interesting uh, picture. Um, and so I, I want to kind of start at this point and, and maybe flesh this out a little bit. Um, 
it's not good to just jump in the middle of things and not have any context, and so I think we'll have to go back and look at the whole psalm, but let's just see what it says here and maybe go to a couple other places first. The steps of a good man are ordered. And that word good is in italics. The KJV translators added that for um, clarity. But that word man, uh, the Hebrew word there could be translated as valiant man or warrior or mighty man. Um, and so that's not just a generic term for man, but there's a particular type of man there in mind. And the steps of that man are ordered by the Lord, uh, set up, erected. We could tell as we were on the trail, this is a well-maintained trail. When we came to creek crossings, we didn't get our feet wet. Somebody had arranged for massive rocks to be placed at the right interval so that an average individual could walk across. Or if there wasn't rocks, there was someone who had chopped down a tree, hewn it flat, put in some grooves so it would have greater traction. There was someone who was preparing this path ahead of me. Um, and I'm grateful for all their labor because I don't know how they did all that moving out there in the middle. I mean, you couldn't have any heavy equipment. You're having to use pulleys and come-alongs and just old-school tech. Um, but the steps of the good man are ordered by the Lord. He's arranging. He's making sure um, that what you need is there in advance. He delighteth in his way. Who's the he? And who's the His? I think the Lord is delighting in the path, the way of that good man, that righteous man. Um, you know why? Because the good man will be following in the Lord's way. Right? We need to be seeking the Lord um, in all aspects of our life. Pursuing His path. And that word way literally means the, the route. The path, the road. Though he fall, that man, he shall not be utterly cast down. For the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. To that fall, that could be that could be a stumble, that could be a trip, that could be a, a fall flat on your face and break your nose but you're not utterly being cast down. You're not utterly being destroyed. There's not a time when you are not still safely guided and guarded by the hand of the Lord. These were comforting thoughts to me as I was uh, walking, and part of that is that, Lord, you've given me an important job to be a preacher to your people down there at Fairhaven, so I know that you're going to get me back there so I can keep doing that job. Um, it's more important than me falling down into a ditch. I was seeking his path, and I know the Lord has delight in that. Go over to Proverbs, just a few pages over. Proverbs 24 and verse 16. Proverbs 24 and verse 16, it says, For a just man falleth seven times, and riseth up again but the wicked shall fall into mischief. Now, the context of this is talking to a wicked man. He says, don't lie in wait against the dwelling of the righteous. You can go after him seven times, and he's going to rise up, but the wicked, you're going to fall into mischief um, and, and ultimately you know, be destroyed. But the point I want to take away from that is that there are going to be falls. There are going to be falls from external circumstances that you don't have control over. There are going to be falls from internal circumstances that you had total control over. There can be falls from our sin, from our pride, from our foolishness, from our stubbornness, from our laziness. Um, the point is there will be falls. But what happens? You rise again. Elliot, is it easy to rise from your stomach if you have your pack laying on you? Yeah. It wasn't easy to get up from a seated position with a pack on it. We, we had to help each other a lot. You know, we get a pack up on a shoulder and the other hand to get stuck and over there flipping straps and trying to buckle each other up, whatever. 
it helps to have that helping hand. How do you think the Lord designed His church? To build each other up. Now there are some things that are heavier than you and I can bear. Acknowledge that. But who's ultimately the hand that's holding the pack? That's the Lord's. Okay? Is He going to allow you to be utterly cast down? No! He's got delight in you and delight in the path that you're on. He's going to continue to rise you up. Does that mean it's fun to fall? Not a chance! It hurts! It's, well, yeah. It's not a pleasant thing. But recognizing that it will happen, but that it is not the end. It's part of the process. It's part of the steps. And the Lord is going to continue to bear you up. And you are continue to walk on your path as a pilgrim. That's what we are. We're, we're pilgrims and sojourners. You know, Carrying a tent around for three days made that feel a little bit more real. <laughs> I did not have a permanent abode. I was trying to get to a destination. I knew where it was, but I couldn't just get there. There was a path I had to take. And a process that was going to follow. And fortunately, there was a you know nice, well-marked path. It was guided. Um, and that's similar for us as our lives. If we know where our destination is, our destination is to be in glory with Christ in heaven. Right? That's the destination. The path for each of us is walking along our lives with Him and towards Him. And those, those routes will look very different um, for each of us along the different twists and turns. Go later to Micah 7 8. Micah. You haven't memorized the books of the Mike of the books of the Bible yet. It's Jonah, Micah, Nahum. We get to you can find Jonah, you can find Micah. This is not written at a happy time. Micah is um, at a spot where things are very low. So I'll just read verse 8 and then we'll come and get a little bit more. Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy, when I fall. I shall arise. And when I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. I will bear the indignation of the Lord because I have sinned against Him until He plead my cause and execute judgment for me and He will bring me forth to the light and I shall behold His righteousness. And this is um, the judgment that had come upon Israel and Judah. Um, they made a lot of, lot of mistakes and they were bearing the consequences of it so much so that their enemies are going, <laughs> y'all said y'all were the, the chosen ones of the Lord. Look what you're getting now. He says, don't rejoice against me. This is not the end. I fall, yet I'm going to rise. And yet even when I'm sitting in darkness, I'm not really in darkness because the Lord is still my light. I'm bearing the indignation. So when the Lord is chastening us, we're bearing that indignation. But at the end, He's the one who pleads our cause. He's the one who will execute judgment for us. And that pleading and the judgment is all based on Christ's work. It's not based on how good you are or how bad you were, but on how good Christ was and how He has paid for everything. So in the end, He pleads the cause. This one is paid for. This one is innocent. This one is not guilty. And he will bring me forth where? To the light. Y'all, this whole life we're in darkness. We have little light, little glimpses. That's the beauty of heaven is that it's perfect light. There'll be no more darkness. And that's what he's going to bring us forth to. And I shall behold... His righteousness, right? Like Job knew that after he was dead, even though the skin worms would eat his flesh, that he would see with his own eyes his Redeemer who lives. You'll behold his righteousness. Jesus Christ, the image of the invisible God. Right, Patrick? 
We behold His righteousness. Good. All right, go to 2 Corinthians 4 and 9. Again, this concept of being cast down, that will cast, that will fall, and not utterly destroyed, right? 2 Corinthians 4 9. Just jumping in the middle. Persecute, persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. We sing that song, right? We've got at least four allusions to this that this is drawing back from, from the Old Testament. We are troubled on every side, verse 8, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Gentlemen, all three of you, I need your attention. Understood? We are troubled on every side and yet not, and not distressed. What does that mean? How can we have trouble and yet not be distressed? Trouble means you're having problems. You're having troubles. I mean, the, the context of this is that the trouble that Paul and the other preachers here in the early church are receiving because they're faithfully preaching the truth. They're getting thrown in jail. They're getting executed. How many of these televangelists you think would be signing up for that if the possibility was that Oh, you're going to go on TV and we'll behead you. All right, that's what happened to James. And then the politician saw, hey, this is a popular thing. I'm going to snag another one. The Lord had to deliver uh, Peter by an angel. Right? Troubled and yet not distressed. Why? Because who's still in charge? Lord, right? What time I'm afraid? I'm going to trust in thee because he's still in charge. Even though they knock me down, even if they kill me, that's just a fall. They cannot utterly destroy me. So we don't have to be distressed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted by men, but not forsaken of God. Cast down, but not destroyed. So you've got that element of falling down, but it's not the end. The righteous man will, will continue to rise. Though he falls seven times, he will rise again. Cast down but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. Even if we are martyred, we are still glorifying and pointing to the life of Jesus Christ. They can't win. <laughs> right? So that's the uh, few allusions that I found to that verse there. Going back to Psalm uh, 37. Steps of the good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he should not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. So let's go back and look at the whole psalm and see where this, this comes in. Psalm 37, verse 1. Fret not thyself because of evildoers. All right, definitions. Fret. Does it mean to fret? I always heard that growing up, and I kind of associate it with just worry. Um, if you look it up in the 1806 dictionary, it really means to vex, to be angry, to be uneasy. So this is more than just worrying about something. This is, it's distressing you. You're upset. You're angry. What are you angry about? And this is a negative. Don't do this. Fret not thyself because of evildoers. Are there evildoers? You better believe it. Do you have to be angry and upset that they continue to exist? No. If it's telling you not to do this, what do you think you're tempted to do? Just the same thing, right? When the Bible tells you not to do something, that means that's probably what you're already doing or thinking about doing or, or leading yourself to, right? Fret not because of evildoers. Neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. All right, we've got two different descriptors for the same group of people. Evildoers, they're doing evil. Workers of iniquity, what are they working? Iniquity, right? Sin, transgression. 
Why would you be envious of a worker of iniquity? Because they tend to be rich, tend to be powerful, tend to have the toys or the companionship or whatever. All the bells and whistles of this world, they tend to be the ones that get it. Right? And so if you're thinking in terms and bells and whistles of the world, well, look, he's got all that, and I know he's cheating, I know he's stealing, I know he's lying. <sighs> well, why can't I just do it? What? Right? Don't be envious. All the pleasure that they are going to receive is short-term. Right? Short-term gain, long-term gain. Everything about this world is short-term gain. Fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be envious against the workers of iniquity. Verse 2, why? For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Clever used a lawnmower. When you're done with your yard, how many blades of grass are still standing upright like they were before? You've done your job. No, I <laughs> Right? Does a blade of grass stand a chance against the lawnmower blade? No. 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 And so, in the same way, these stand no chance against the wrath and judgment of the Lord. At the end of the day, on the final day, they're ultimately cut down. And there's not a single one that will have strength in themselves to resist, and it would be foolish to even attempt it, just like a blade of grass trying to defiantly stand up to that spinning lawnmower blade and say, I got you. I can handle you. Not a chance. They'll soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. What happens as soon as you cut that grass? There, too. It's dried out. Right? It's withered. Is it going to grow anymore? Not a chance. So that's the two things that you're not to do. What are you to do? Verse 3. Trust in the Lord and do good. Notice it doesn't just say be good. You can go sit in your room and be good. Right? Do good. This is, a, this is active. Right? Trust in the Lord. Who is your confidence in? The Lord. That he's in charge, that he's got it, that he's going to take care of you. If your confidence is the Lord, go and do good. Rather than fretting over the state of the world and the wickedness within it and the injustice that's going on, put your confidence in the Lord that he is the righteous judge is going to be able to take care of it. And you do what you are supposed to do now, which is do good. Do what's right. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Were the children of Israel fed in the wilderness and the desert? Every day. Are you and I fed naturally? Yeah. We ain't missed any meals, many meals among us, right? Does the Lord feed us spiritually? Yes. Yeah. He provides us what we need. Can the evildoers and the workers of iniquity defeat him in either of those things? So why are you bothering with them? Why are they distressing you? Who has victory over the world? Jesus does. And you're on his team. Delight thyself in the Lord as opposed to the things of this world, the bells and the whistles. Desire to have a greater fellowship with Him, to know more about Him, to learn and love Him, and He shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Now your prosperity doctor will come and stick this verse around and say, look, He'll give you the desires of your heart. Well, if you're delighting in the Lord, what's your desire? The Lord! Yeah! Lord, more of you. More of you. Less of me. 
more of you. What's so great about heaven? Him! <laughs> Unlimited, unfiltered, not even seen through the, the darkness of sin. Right? Trust in the Lord. Do good. You'll dwell in the land. You shall be fed. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He shall give you the desires of thy heart. Is this talking about what you do when you're in heaven? No, this is here and now. Are there going to be any evildoers in heaven? No, not a one. So this is encouragement of things that we need to avoid and things we need to proactively do. Doing good, trusting the Lord, having our confidence secure, resting in His power and His might, and desiring Him. Verse 5, Commit thy way unto the Lord. The Hebrew in this is interesting. It has its roll thy way upon the Lord. And it's the same uh, commit and roll there as, you know, there's a the well there um, where I think it was Jacob who went and finding a bride and he had to roll the stone away from the well to water the flocks. Right? Your way, your route, your course of life, the path that you're going to take, how often do you really want to be the one choosing that? Let's be honest. You almost always want to be in charge, right? I'm the ship captain. I want to be at the steering wheel. You know, I'm, imagine going up the, the Mississippi on the uh, steam-powered ships and paddle boats, right? You want to be the one at the wheel plotting your course, right? That's, that's, that's our natural uh, desire. But what is this saying? For trusting in the Lord, we're doing good, which is His way, delighting ourselves in Him, Rolling our way unto Him. There's some turning it over, right? This is not just a, the handoff of the baton, but this is, Lord, I'm giving this burden, really. Can you imagine this, this, this heavy thing that you're, you're rolling over to Him that I can't easily snatch back? I saw a meme on Facebook about me looking around at all the things I've turned over to the Lord. Lord, how, how are things going? <laughs> Just want a status check. <laughs> Commit your way unto the Lord. Give it to Him. And trust in Him. And He shall bring it to pass. Whose way are you going to be following if you do that? His way. Whose way is better? Yeah. And yet we in our arrogance tend to think not. <laughs> and ultimately, verse 6, and he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light. If you are committing your way unto him, you know what's going to shine forth? The righteousness that he's put within you, it's going to shine forth. You're going to let your light shine. You're going to do the things that bring him glory and honor. And thy judgment as the noonday. Alright, the verdict. The verdict that this one's not guilty. This one's one of mine. This is my disciple. It says it's going to shine so bright, it's going to be like the noonday sun. That's what it means by noonday. That's a pretty bright manifestation. You're not going around tooting your own horn. Oh, I'm a Christian and I'm the best. Right? No, but I'm trusting him and I'm doing what's right. And says, he's going to make it clear. It may not be in this lifetime. Sometimes your good deeds, they, no one's going to know about them. That's fine. In the end, it says they, they won't be hid. Right? Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. If you've committed your way unto Him, there are some times when we've got to wait. Who here is good at waiting? Yeah, me neither. <laughs> I can ask you about waiting about the 18 hours before we had a GPS ping on where, where we were. We were down in the valley and there was no signal. Um, waiting's hard. But if you're resting in the Lord, He's in charge. He's got the way. I'm doing what I know to do right now. 
and letting, letting him handle the things that I can't handle, right? waiting for him to open up those doors, patiently waiting for him, then you're doing what you can do. Right? That's a much safer spot to be in than trying to force something that he's not leading you to do. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way. Is that, is that the Lord's way? No, that's the guy who's prospering because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to path. He says, don't be angry because that guy over there is lying, cheating, and stealing, and he seems to be getting ahead in all the glory. Right? Ultimately, he's just a blade of grass. Cease from anger. Forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. Are we going to be tempted to be angry? Yeah. Are we going to be tempted to be full of wrath? Yeah. But our, our, our affirmative instructions are cease from anger. Stop. Forsake. Lay it down. All right. Ephesians talked to us about that, right? Letting go of all rallet, malice, wrath, clamor, evil speaking. Let it be put away from you. Those are not the characteristics of the new man. Say, but oh, I just want the world to be just. You got sinners in it? Till the last day, it ain't going to be just. You can't fix it. That ain't your job. Your job is to faithfully serve Him and glorify Him in your little Circle, your little life. Are we little? Yeah. Is that okay? Yeah, we need to remember that. And so, looking at the big picture, our, our understanding of the big picture can sometimes lead us to be very upset and angry and just wish things should be different. Rest in the Lord. Patiently wait for Him. What are we ultimately waiting for? Christ to come back! And guess who's going to handle it all? The one who can handle it all. Is there anything we're afraid is going to slip by his radar? No. Is his timing perfect? Yeah. And so we've got to wait patiently. Continue to do what's right in the meantime. But our lives should not be just balls of anger and frustration and wrath because things aren't just the way we think they ought to be. Right? That's not what we're called to. For the evildoers shall be cut off. But those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. Inherit. That's something that's given to you by someone else. There's a, a will involved. Somebody had to die. So even here, all this time before Christ has come, this is written Psalms. This is Old Testament. This is a Psalm of David. Hundreds of years before Christ. There's an inheritance talked about. Right? And the scope of that inheritance is a whole world. Not a piece of it is going to be corrupted or lost or misappropriated. And it's all going to be given to those that are waiting upon the Lord. For yet a little while, and the wicked shall not be. Yea, thou shalt diligently consider his place, and it shall not be. At the end, there won't be a single wicked one. It remains, right? Not even their place, their abodes. You, you can diligently look for it. There will be nothing and no one that will corrupt the righteousness of what's described as the new heaven and the earth, the one that is perfect, that inheritance that's been prepared for us from the foundation of the world. It is perfect. You don't have to fret over the fact that evil is existing right now and you cannot control it, that you cannot stop it. The Lord's got it. And it's just a temporary thing. But the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. The meek shall inherit the earth. That sounds familiar, right? Did you know that Jesus was quoting the Old Testament in the Sermon on the Mount? 
And Matthew 5, 5, right? Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. That makes sense that the word's quoting the word. Right? And they shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. Is there just going to be a little peace in heaven? Big peace. Big peace. That's right. An abundance of peace. Now the wicked, they plot against the just. They, they're conniving, right? They gnash upon him with his teeth, whether that's verbally or whether that's like a lion chewing on a bone. There's real hardship and adversity and pain. Does that distress the Lord? No. The Lord shall laugh at him. For he, the Lord, seeth that his, the wicked's day is coming. Is there any doubt that the Lord is returning? Is there any doubt that on that day of judgment the Lord is going to separate His people that He died for from those that He didn't? And those for whom He didn't, they will receive the just deserts for every sin. That eternal, undying death. Separation from God forever into hell. The Lord shall laugh. The wicked, they've drawn out their sword. They've bent their bow to cast down the poor and the needy and to slay such as be of upright conversation. And yet ultimately, their sword shall enter into their own heart and their bows shall be broken. Their own deeds shall eventually destroy them. A little that a righteous man hath is better than the riches of many wicked. It sounds like a lesson on contentment. Right? Paul had to learn contentment. Learn whether I've abased or whether I abound. I can be content. Right? So we don't have to be jealous of the wicked who've got all the toys. It's better to have a little with the righteous. Because the toys of those folks are going to be broken. Right? The arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholdeth the righteous. That's pretty comforting. I'm going to be upheld by somebody. I sure want it to be the Lord. The Lord knoweth the days of the upright, and their inheritance shall be for forever. The Lord knows the days of the upright. Sometimes we think about it in that terms. I know the number of days that I'm going to naturally live. The Lord knows the days of the upright are without end. They're eternal. When He's given you the new birth, you have been started on your journey of forever. Their inheritance shall be for forever. What was the deal with the prodigal son? He got his inheritance. He blew it. And it was gone. He had to go look for something else. Your inheritance can't be blown. Can't be wasted. You won't have the ability to, nor will you have the desire your inheritance shall go on for forever. They shall not be ashamed in the evil time. Who's that? The righteous. And in the days of famine, they shall be satisfied. Does that mean they're going to be smug? Look, it's famine. No. It means the Lord's going to continue to feed them even in the hard times. They'll be satisfied in the famine. And in the evil times, they won't be ashamed of their God. He's going to continue to provide for them and care for them. But the wicked, they'll perish. And the enemies of the Lord shall be as the fat of lambs. They shall consume, and the smoke shall they consume away. You put, apparently, the fat of lambs onto your altar fire. There's not going to be anything left. It just goes up in smoke. So that's, that's your imagery for the wicked. They will be gone so much you could not find them again. The wicked, those who are seeking those evil devices... He borrows and payeth not again. It's lying, stealing, right? But the righteous, he shows mercy and giveth, right? Not requiring uh, interest or, um, you know, even repayment. Just showing mercy and gives. For such as be blessed of him shall inherit the earth, and they that be cursed of him shall be cut off. Remember... From Wednesday night, uh, Balaam had to tell that to King Balak. Is that um, 
They're blessed. And God was speaking to Balaam for them. They are blessed. You don't have the ability to curse Israel. You know, that was what he would hired for. He said, Balak, you come over here. Or Balak's hiring Balaam, come over here. I want you to curse this people. And he says, I'm going to say whatever God tells me to say. Just fair warning. But I'm happy to come and you can pay me riches. Um, and then God told him, no. You say exactly what I want you to say. These people have been blessed and they will be blessed. And so the guy who is paid to curse them, I end up blessing them three different times. Those that are blessed of the Lord shall inherit the earth, and they that are cursed from him shall be cut off. You've got the, um, the elect, the children of God. Those are, those are the blessed. And those that by their own wickedness um, are rightfully deserved to be separated will be cut off. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord all the way to that destination, all the way to that inheritance. We don't believe in absolute predestination or fatalism or that God determines every step in advance that you make. You have a lot of individual choices to make. The only things that are referred to as being predestinated are a people and the work of Christ. Both of those things were determined in advance that they would happen, that Christ would come and fulfill his work and that it would be for a particular people. Um. But we see throughout Scripture that God, through His hand of uh, providence, can take individual choices that people make and He can weave them together like a master weaver to produce things that we never could have seen. I just, I mean, I won't even go into it, but just think about the life of Joseph. How well did that start out for that little smug pug, right? (laughs) Daddy loves me more than you. Look at my coat, it's so shiny. <laughs> and I had a dream. <laughs> hey guys, I had another dream. <laughs> kill him. I mean, that's some pretty bad anger, right? And the brother says, no, no, don't kill him. Right? We won't make any money off that. Let's sell him. Right? And then all the way through, here he becomes the second over a mighty nation. I mean, that's like, that's like rising up to be like the vice president <laughs> from being, you know, a slave. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. Um, and yet the Lord wove all that because he was going to preserve the family and he was going to save much people alive. And he was doing it for his good. The individual choices of those brothers were still wrong and sin, and God didn't cause them to do that. He doesn't cause you to sin. God's not the author of sin. He's not the source of sin. Anything that you do wrong in your life, congratulations, you get to take 100% credit for it. Anything that you do right, better give God the credit for that because that's only because the Holy Spirit's enabling you to do that. All right? The steps of the good man are ordered by the Lord and he delighteth in his way. That way that's been committed unto him. That way that pleases the Lord, the way that is looking under that author and finisher of your faith, that way, he delights in that way. And though he fall, that good man, though he fall, and though he fall seven times, he'll rise up. He won't be utterly cast down. He won't be cut off. You cannot separate yourself from the love of God. That's comforting. No matter where you are in your walk with him, you can't outrun him. I mean, in a sense, he's got his hand on your backpack. You ain't going that far. Right? He's not going to let you go over the ravine, and you can't run away from him. Right? The Lord upholdeth him with his hand. I have been young, and now I'm old. All right? So David's grown up a bit as he's writing this. And yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. He said, this is just a practical example. Just in my lifetime, I have not seen a righteous man who God forsook. And now the children of that man are out on the street begging. I haven't seen it. You'll dwell on the land and thou shalt be fed. 
He is ever merciful and lendeth, and his seed is blessed. He says, that's what the righteous man that I've seen. They continue to be merciful. He continues to lend to those in need. His seed is blessed. His children are blessed. His families are blessed. Right? There, are, there are natural consequences from serving the Lord and doing what's right. It impacts those around you. It blesses your family. This does not mean your family is going to have a bunch of money. <laughs> right? It's not a one-to-one. -one. I mean, that's what the wicked are chasing after. But there are blessings. Right? The nation, the nation and the, the families of the righteous are blessed. Depart from evil and do good. Dwell and dwell forevermore. For the Lord loveth judgment. Is that Micah 6 8? He has shown the old man what is good. Right? Do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with thy God. The righteous man is ever merciful. Do good. Loving judgment. The Lord loves judgment. That which is right and upright. Should you as well? Yeah. We should love to have fair dealings in our life. Not looking to cut the corner or get the unrighteous edge. The Lord loveth judgment and forsaketh not his saints. They are preserved forever. That word preserved means guarded. Who are you guarded by? God. Came up a, on a couple the second morning, and they had a big old guard dog. I don't know if it was an Irish wolfhound or what, but he was gray and curly. And uh, we kind of did a, <laughs> How y'all doing? It's good to have a guard dog. We're, <laughs> right? They had a little protection up there. Between that dog and a bear, I don't know who'd win, but um, bear's still bigger. We've got something that's way better guarding us, right? They are preserved forever. They are guarded for just this shift, for just this life, forever. But the seed of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell therein forever. Right, you got this picture of heaven again. It's not a, they might inherit if it's not stolen by the wicked. Right? If you don't have some unrighteous judge or lawyer come in and mess it all up. Right? The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell in there forever. The mouth of the righteous speaketh wisdom, and his tongue talketh judgment. So not only are we doing good, but we're speaking what's right. Wisdom and judgment. How are we to do that? Well, the law of his God is in his heart. None of his steps shall slide. Where do we need to store up the law? In our heart. In our mind, now the Spirit, and the Lord puts it there. But we also need to be actively chewing on it, right? Actively pursuing it, thinking on it, speaking it. None of his steps shall slide. If you've got the Word within you and you're actively applying that, it says your, your steps aren't going to slide. You're not going to go off on those steep um, ravines that you don't need to be close to. The wicked watcheth the righteous and seeketh to slay him. The Lord will not leave him in his hand, nor condemn him when he is judged. Wait on the Lord, and keep his way, and he shall exalt thee to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, thou shalt see it. You're going to see it. Give it time. Wait. Continue to do what's right. I've seen the wicked in great power, spreading himself as a green bay tree. And yet he's passed away, and lo, he is not. Yea, I've sought him, and he could not be found. This is David, you know, speaking naturally. I've seen the wicked before. He looked like he had so much power, and now he's just gone. It's like that over on a grander scale. Mark the perfect man, complete or mature. Behold the upright, for the end of that man is peace. A little bit of peace, David? Big peace. A big piece of peace. Mm -hmm. But the transgressors shall be destroyed together. The end of the wicked shall be cut off. But the salvation of the righteous is in their own hand, in their own might. The salvation of the righteous is of the Lord. He is their strength 
in time of trouble, now and always. And the Lord shall help them and deliver them. He shall deliver them. The deliver means to carry away to safety. He shall deliver them from the wicked and save them because they trust in him. There will be hard times. There will be gross wickedness and things that are vile and offensive and hurtful that exist. But you don't have to take the burden on yourself to feel like you've got to render judgment or make those things square. Um, it's not your role. It's not my role. We have a path It's laid out and the end of it is with Christ and seeing Him. And He's called us to follow Him in a certain way. Trusting Him, putting our confidence in Him along that path that He's going to be the one that protects us, upholding us, guarding us. And we're to do good in the meantime, showing mercy with judgment and integrity and delighting ourselves in the Lord. That's what we do. And there's rest in that. And in that, we can patiently wait. And even though there can be a tornado of sin and wickedness around us, we can trust that the Lord in His good time going to take care of it. It may be on the last day. It won't be late. It'll be exactly as he um, determines it. And though there'll be times when, you know, we're going to fall. And it may hurt. You can also rest assured that the one that you're trusting in is going to continue to bear with you and bear you up and carry you along. The salvation is from Him. It's not of your own power. Not of your own might. It's of Him. And so in all that, who's going to get the glory? In both your deliverance and in His righteous wrath. He does. And He's the one who deserves it. Steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and He delighteth in His way. Though He fall, He shall not be utterly cast down. For the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. Thank you all for your time and attention.